I'm Anna Dowett here. And on this episode of Reclaiming the Garden, we are discussing wealth, poverty, and capitalism, uh, which I think definitely growing up in evangelical spaces, we get a lot of kind of misconceptions about. Mm-hmm. So let's try to break those down. What were you kind of told about, taught about these things growing up? What Whether they were like explicit messages or implicit, because I think there's a lot of like subconscious stuff going on as well. I feel like it's a mix. I feel like you get mixed messaging, or at least I mm-hmm. did, because it's like, you know what, money can't buy happiness, money is like the root of all evil, all these things. But then also you would see things like, oh, what's it? I can't believe my brain is blanking this early in the episode. Um, The, what's the name? Prosperity Uh, Gospel? Yes. The Prosperity (laughs) Gospel. Of course we were going to get into that. Yeah. Yeah, Like (laughs) things like prosperity, like very prosperity gospel teachings. And then like the guilt of like, if you don't put an offering in, like someone (laughs) else is going to have to. Well, I think what's interesting yeah. is that I would say my church like wasn't explicitly prosperity gospel, but then when you look at like who's in power in the church, they're all rich. Like... Yeah, and then also it's like that kind of guilt feeling because then there's like that. Uh, I think it's the parable of like the poor woman puts in like person, but it's all she had, so in essence she gave more. And so that was kind mm-hmm. of almost used as a guilt trip. So even if you didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of money, if you gave more, then god would bless you and again going back to prosperity gospel so again mixed messaging of like money is bad you don't need money to be happy but also like give your money to us so we can do good things in this world because we can't do them without money Mm -hmm. yeah no yeah um definitely i think it's very individualistic like because Mm -hmm. of course we live in the united states and our culture is very capitalist culture yes yeah um you know, I think both, like, yeah, the messages from the church and the culture at large are that, like, being poor is, like, this moral failure, a sign of laziness, being mm-hmm. rich is a sign of hard work and God's blessing. Yeah. And that there's this myth that capitalism allows people to move freely between social classes if they put in the work. Yeah. Completely ignoring I, all of the systemic barriers in place. Yeah, it, like, it's, like, we don't live in a meritocracy. Like, you could <laughs> yeah. do all of the right, quote-unquote, the right things and never... Mm-hmm get to some like unattainable level of wealth or even a relatively like moderate level of wealth like even like home ownership or something like that also socialism scary how how awful you can't give them health care what'll happen next it's ridiculous i feel like i know it's like i want i want people to have health care and education and food i want people to thrive yeah you ask me how we're gonna pay for it what if we fucking cut out the police and like military budgets yeah like like, we already have like the biggest military in the world or strong one of the strongest if not the strongest military in the world like i think some of that money could go towards uh the citizenry of this country just just Mm -hmm. saying yeah I know. It's just like, they're just always like, you know, dumbfounded being like, well, where's the money gonna go? Money doesn't grow on trees. And it's like, well, we are literally like, our priorities are just so messed up. Or we just recognize, or I can, we can just recognize like, I paid more taxes this year than Jeff Bezos did. Um, Mm -hmm. And I will never, I will never have Jeff Bezos. That's when I don't feel bad. Like, I used to be like, oh my god, what if I get audited by the IRS? Because I do my own taxes. I don't go through like an agency so we'll Uh see how that all turns out in years to come but it's like if the irs ever reaches out to me i'll be like i paid my taxes like Uh maybe go look at like the billionaires that are able to avoid paying their taxes like it Uh it's um also connected to like the idea that socialism is bad it's like i don't think i really got this messaging but obviously especially like this year with the way that like you know, evangelicals have become so extremist. They're like, Marxists are out to destroy the, like, you know, nuclear family. <laughs> That's so yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. It's, um, and then, like, I remember at my, my the first, the, my evangelical church that I went to as a kid, mm-hmm. I don't know if your church ever did this or your youth group ever did this. Um, I will put the disclaimer that I was never allowed to go on these because my parents were terrified, but it was that thing of, like, we're going to go live on Skid Row for a week and live off of a dollar a day and take a a homeless person out to dinner and learn their story. And like, for lack of better phrasing, it was like, that's colonizing, colonizing, (laughs) like very much like poverty porn. Mm -hmm. Like, let's like go, like, we're going to live off of a dollar a day just to see what it's like to be poor. And it's like, 
I was never allowed to go on them because I, my parents didn't want me, like, you mm-hmm. know, going out with church people to go sleep on Skid Row. But now, like, mm-hmm. I'm really glad that I never did because it's like, mm-hmm. that's like some, that's some, again, colonizer bullshit right there. Mm-hmm. And that's, and like, at the end of the day, you had to just go, like, at the end of the mm-hmm. time, like, I would get to go home to my house. I'd get to go home yeah. to my own bed. And like, it's dumb. It's like ridiculous, like that. Oh, we have to cosplay these people's very lives in order to have compassion it's one thing to choose poverty like for the you know for you for your life but it's another to just cosplay for a week like you know exactly yeah because I mean I know that there are some yeah there are some like monks and priests who I guess have their vow vow poverty and that kind of thing and Shane Claiborne has some problems but some of his ideas about like um like intentionally choosing poverty or you know something interesting to consider um yeah absolutely and I would definitely say like in the U.S. where just capitalism is nuts mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people don't willingly choose to be poor Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. or to live at or below the poverty line Mm -hmm. so it's just like it's it's just disrespectful when people Mm -hmm. are like the people use like the bootstraps fallacy of like Mm -hmm. I did it. Why can't you? And it mm-hmm. it's like, well, we live in a very different world now. And also that's not taking into account, like you said, all of the systemic issues that could mm-hmm. potentially stop a person from being able to quote unquote, like climb the ladder and join the rat race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was also thinking about how just, you know, in general, a lot of like evangelical churches just have like capitalism and consumerism just like embedded into the culture mm-hmm. you know like the the churches that everyone wants to go to are ones that have cafes and concert style worship music with fog <laughs> mariners. machines uh, what mariners <laughs> oh is that in california that's, that's a mega that's like a huge mega church um oh, okay. in orange county uh, i got it yeah no yeah it's like people you know i think like church shopping can be okay in some sense but if it's just like so like finding a place that's just like where you it like you know church finding is like all about you it's just it's just a little weird you know yeah and also there's always a part of me that wonders especially with those big mega churches or like the really fancy looking Mm -hmm. churches is like if a person who was unhoused showed up to your church would they be welcomed with open arms Mm -hmm. like if someone came in and like maybe they didn't have access to a shower or to clean mm-hmm. clothes or something and just wanted to come in and worship, would they be allowed through the doors or would they be sent away? And there's yeah. a, it's an unfortunate, it's unfortunate, but I think with a lot of these bigger churches, the answer would be no, like they would absolutely be sent away. Mm-hmm. Or... Yeah. Because they're, it wouldn't fit the aesthetic. Like if exactly. they're taking marketing photos, they don't want those kinds of people in there. Um, yeah. What's interesting. I know that the church that I'm going to be, Attending tomorrow in Seattle, First yes. UMC. First UMC offers a hot breakfast every Sunday morning and invites people if they want to to stay for worship. So that's amazing. Yeah, that's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to cover. Yeah, again, like I said, like even churches that don't explicitly preach a prosperity gospel, like. All the higher ups in my church had a lot of money, and I know this because the youth groups went on progressive dinners. Do you know what that is? No. What's a progressive um, dinner? It's when you go from one house to another for so one house for appetizers, one for entree, one for dessert. It's and like bar course, hopping, but for dinner. I I got to see their fancy ass Northern Virginia houses, you know, oh and like gosh. also just like prosperity gospel churches, a lot of like you know evangelical non denominational whatever, like they have a vision of endless growth, which is unsustainable That's you know it's all about insane. more and more and more yeah you know yeah absolutely and like I definitely saw that in my childhood church we didn't get to do the uh dinner bar crawl <laughs> but um it was definitely like going to youth group events or whatever like everyone if if they didn't live like super duper wealthy or in a mansion mm-hmm. or whatever people definitely lived very 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 comfortably like you know mm-hmm. every kid has their own room everyone has a pool mm-hmm. like that whole sort of thing which again is kind of pipe dream for a lot of people mm-hmm. um and then even with my mega church though I wasn't as intimately involved I knew that there were a lot of wealthy benefactors going to that mm-hmm. church like there's no way it would have yeah. it would have been able to grow as quickly I mean, as it did I mean my yeah the church I grew up in 
right when I went to college, basically switched over to a new gigantic building that had been funded over, you know, however many ta- much time. Um, yeah, and that's obviously another sign of wealth. And of course, I should probably say this. I grew up in what is statistically the richest county in America, Loudoun wow. County. Yep. I didn't know that. It's it's because it's close to D.C., but not like in D.C. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people having big government jobs and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's like where people can like live close to where they work but get out of the city proper Mm -hmm. in a way Mm -hmm. yeah um and so I think what's weird is that I kind of considered myself to be like growing up in that just in that kind of bubble I thought that I was kind of like solidly middle class but I mean no I I grew up upper class like I know that (laughs) that I like my parents were able to fund my my college tuition and Mm -hmm. um I mean, I say that, like, my parents, instead of getting me a car for my birthday, like many, many other students in my in my town did, they funded my college education. That's amazing. Hey, that's yeah. pretty amazing. Um, I mean, I, of course, did not want a car. Uh, folks who know me personally know that I hate driving, but... <laughs> well, then you got exactly what you wanted. Um, and it's so interesting, because I... Like, we lived definitely, like, my family, like, we definitely lived comfortably. Mm-hmm. I think we got very lucky with a lot of the things that we mm-hmm. own now. So, like, the house that we live in, like, it's been my, at least it's been my parents. It's not been mine, mm-hmm. but it's, I guess it's mine. Anyways, it's been under my parents' name. They've had it for, like, 22 years, and they mm-hmm. were able to get it before, like, the market jumped up super high. So, it was in a way, and now, like, we're surrounded by, like, million-dollar houses now. Mm-hmm. We get... Mm-hmm people coming oh to the door no, and being Nova like, has like yeah. what's called McMansions or sorry Nova yeah uh, when I say Nova I mean Northern Virginia apparently not everyone in the United States knows that so <laughs> um um yeah like it's just yeah we have we are like McMansion central as well uh-huh. um but it, then it was always interesting because at my high school like I was definitely considered more middle class in a way because mm-hmm. even though we all lived in the same city and it's where I live, it's very small. Like my whole high school had less than 2000 people in it. Like every single kid I knew went to a four-year university straight away, paid for by their parents, or Mm -hmm. at the very least in a place where they wouldn't have to worry about like loan repayments or they could very feasibly Mm -hmm. do it. And I remember, because I went to community college for the first Mm -hmm. two years of my education, some girl, like when I told her where I was going, she was like offended. She's like, oh, you're so smart though. You can't go there. And it was like, well, I can't afford to go to Mm -hmm. a university for four years. And California colleges are real heckin' expensive. So it's like, that was always like very interesting to me. And then there's a lot of elitism when it comes to- Yeah, and then even going to like, when I finally did go to university, just realizing like, oh my gosh, like these kids are- or not kids, they weren't children, but, like, the people I went to school with, like, lived vastly wealthier lifestyles mm-hmm. than I did. And, again, I grew up very – like, I had the privilege of never having to worry about, like, oh, will we be able to eat? Will we still have a house? Like, I grew up lacking nothing, but then, like, seeing people who, who like, were like, oh, I go to Disney every week, which Disneyland's very expensive, mm-hmm. or, like mm-hmm. – like, one of my one friend quote unquote that I had saying like oh man I hope I can go to the world's fair in Milan this year like I haven't been in years Mm. it's like what the heck like this is Mm. this is so bizarre and so it's it really put a lot into perspective for me but that said I also know that I'm substantially more privileged than a lot of people in this country Mm -hmm. again just right right place right time is the best way I can describe it Mm-hmm. Yeah, something I've kind of had to reckon with. Um, my parents are landowners. They mm-hmm. they own well, they own an office building in Reston, Virginia. Actually, the office building where they that they met in when they worked at Agency. Cute. Um, and then, well, they had they were they bleh, they were in ownership uh, of an apartment building, but they recently like did something called a like kind of I don't know the logistics of it, um, but they got they sold that property and got new ones and so I've just kind of been thinking like oh I was able to like have my college paid for because my parents charge people rent <laughs> I don't know it makes me feel yeah. a little bit weird because of course I'm like not you know fuck that system fuck the system of like tenants and landlords landlords um, and every yeah yeah but 
Yeah, like I mean, in some ways, it's like there was, you know, a benefit to me. And I mean, my parents say my parents like they're I don't think there's such a thing as like a good landlord, but my parents are at least ethical. Um, They they Mm -hmm. didn't like they didn't throw anyone out during the pandemic, you know, Um, and they they charged like, you know, fair rates, I think. So, yeah, absolutely. And like, I mean, like kind of similarly, my my two years at university were mostly paid for by my grandparents like it was mm-hmm. the and it was like the inheritance money but they mm-hmm. were like we want to see it do good like while we're alive so it's yours like mm-hmm. have it and so that's basically what paid for a good portion of my college education mm-hmm. and my grandfather like would build houses he was a contractor that mm-hmm. whole sort of thing and he also owns like rental properties mm-hmm. and it's interesting because they're on his land Mm-hmm. But I but like we joke that he very much undercharges people. So mm-hmm. and I just think because he doesn't know what the market rate is for like, um, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. great for your tenants. I'm sure you could be charging more, but that's also like, that's cool of you that you don't actually know what that rate is. So like people who really <laughs> need that housing can live there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I guess we've kind of covered both of our backgrounds around this. Um, and then, like, when you actually, like, read the Bible, <laughs> it's just not any of that at no. all. Like, if anything, those are, like, quote-unquote, the villains of the Bible. Like, and, like, correct. again, the villains in the sense of, like, everyone can be redeemed. But, like, those are the people who are seen as, like, the people going against the... Israelites. I mean, we already talked about in our episode on Revelation that, like, the kind of economic Roman political machine is, like, all of the monsters in Revelation, so, you know, um, but also, when you just look at God's vision for justice, and particularly economic justice in the Bible, you know, it's, it's just the exact kind of opposite of our individualistic culture, you know, because the culture in which the scriptures were written was collectivist, and so, you know, they were all about caring for all the people, even if it was the foreigners in the land, and absolutely. Um, I mean, the, everything's just like filled with, like the both the Hebrew Bible and New Testament with calls to care for our neighbors, to not hoard things when we already have enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus we says about this in our last episode on Levitical law of having like a right. portion of your land specifically mm-hmm. for the poor to be able to take the food yeah. that they need. And also, of course, like you know the the Beatitudes. Uh, which is a sort kind of sermon that Jesus gave. Jesus says the poor are blessed, mm-hmm. you know, um, like the poor are the ones who are closest to God. This is something that's consistent throughout the, throughout the scriptures. There's some, you know, in, I mean, there's also the, um, the kind of, is it, would it be a parable? The parable of the sheep and the goats, I guess. Uh, I think where, so, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus says, like, you know, if you if you helped the the least of these, you you did it like you did so to me. Mm-hmm. Um and so clearly we see that like in the marginalized we can encounter God in a unique way. And like I you know, I wanna be clear that like we're not gonna do the you know, poverty porn thing. Oh, you yeah. know, it's like that we have to look at it through kind of like a different angle to actually like really care about these people and listen to their to their stories not for the sake of like feeling better about yourself but to encounter god yeah absolutely because god is found in as you said god is found in like the marginalized god is found in the people that are on the whole forgotten by society and god is partial to the poor and if like if evangelicals heard that they would be like what that's not fair god's not god has no favorites and it's like you know what god is on the side (laughs) of the poor absolutely Um, and then there's even like the whole like first shall be last last shall be first thing mm -hmm. and it's so funny because i feel like the people that 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 those verses are meant for really don't understand (laughs) what that means it's like yes first shall be last i'll be um, last shall be first i was last i'll be first like um that's great and all but also like how about the yeah. unhoused people that you've right. ignored like your mm-hmm. entire life like they're gonna probably if they're quote unquote if there's a hierarchy like they're gonna go before you in a way it's mm-hmm. it's so it's so interesting to me 
Yeah, um, and also it's interesting to consider um, that there are different, so in the Hebrew and Greek, there are, I guess, a total of four different words that are translated into poor in English. Um, so I guess it's interesting to consider the different kinds of people that, um, you know, people in the Hebrew Bible and who Jesus is talking about when it says the word poor. Uh, I'm going to say right now that I'm not going to pronounce these correctly. Okay. Um, Evyon uh, means needy, oppressed, destitute, or ani means poor, humble, meek, and the words in Greek, uh, penis, the working poor, and pato- patocho, patokos, the destitute. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess something I wrote in my, um, in my notes, oh yeah, I should probably say what notes I'm reading from. So the last religious studies course I took in college was called Wealth and Poverty in the Bible. So I'm, I kind of have like already done the research and I'm just going to be looking through some of these. You researched for this episode at a time you didn't know you'd have a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, truly. Um, And I guess an interesting question I wrote down is like, you know, when translators generally translate both Ani and Evian as poor, like what difference does that make Um, to kind of think about? Yeah, I don't know. Something to think about. Yeah, absolutely. I never knew that there were the different translations, like, there, that there were different translations of that word and that they mm-hmm. meant different things. But again, I think with a lot of our English translations, it's just that blanket translation. Oh yeah. God's justice is about more than being fair because of who God is. God is a righteous God who keeps God's promises, uh, God's character in what God has done and continues to do for Israel. Relationship is at the heart of who God is. And God's promise is to always care for God's people. And I mean, a lot of the time, of course, God's people, the Israelites, were in many states of being destitute, oppressed, in need. I mean, it's a huge part of, like, what we see in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just looking through my notes more. If you have any thoughts or if you have anything that came up in your research... You can bring it up. Yeah, I know that um, one verse that always kind of stuck out to me was the the metaphor of it is easier for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle mm-hmm. than a rich man mm-hmm. to enter the kingdom of God. Right, and, and always was, it's like it's yeah. a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, it's it is like, a really? metaphor, but it also translates to something else too, because that really came to mind, especially during like the pandemic and it was like, and people were becoming more unhoused or whatever. And like, Mm -hmm. again, thinking of the billionaires, like again, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, those people, I'm like, they could, they could solve poverty in the U S right now and still be billionaires. They could Mm -hmm. pay for people's hospital bills and still be billionaires. Like one of the other things I was thinking of was especially when the postal service was going under or like when mm-hmm. it was at risk of going under especially during an election season it was yeah, like again that could they be could saved, fix right. the postal service right now they could write a check and be okay tomorrow and it's like that's how i see it is if you have the yeah, ability to especially so... the financial ability to help people and you don't then you're the enemy like you're the villain mm-hmm. of the story yeah no yeah like it just yeah i mean they're going the way of destruction as kind of described in revelation and the way that oh yeah so jesus whenever jesus talks about what is translated in english as hell um it's usually because he's pissed off about some injustice that's happening and the way that people are being treated you know so that kind of theme comes up again it's like there's consequences for your actions yeah choosing to go this way yeah the bible does not like rich people that don't help their neighbors like simply put and that's yeah literally what most of the prophets are doing is like you are ignoring these people stop (laughs) like it's every of all the prophets exactly and like people who supposedly take the bible very literally don't seem to seem to completely gloss over that part Mm -hmm. and then there's the whole story of jesus telling this the rich person to sell all of his belongings and follow follow him and then he couldn't because he was Mm -hmm. a rich man and he wasn't able to do it and one reading i've seen of that passage is the thing is like jesus like did you follow this commandment that command? i can't remember the exact ones but they were commandments that specifically a 
good Jewish person would have followed, like not committed mm-hmm. adultery and not coveted, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that's why he was very able to say like, yes, of course I've done these things. Like I'm a good person. But then when it was cool, sell all of your belongings and follow me and like donate it to the poor. And he couldn't do that. And that was the thing that, that was the thing that stopped him from properly following the teachings of Christ was that he couldn't sell his belongings. Oh yeah. A lot of, um, a lot of the times when prophets are also like condemning idolatry, it's because of the worship of money and power, like not just, you know, the, the golden calf, but I mean, also probably part of why they were worshiping a golden calf was for money and power. But, um, yeah. And the fact that it was a golden calf too, it wasn't, mm -hmm. (laughs) it wasn't a more useful metal. It was like one that is, that very much signifies opulence. Sorry, there's so going to be so much Jedi. I just I didn't no, quite that's have enough fine. time to like put all of this in the Oh document. my gosh, no, that's totally okay. The okay. fact that you have so many notes is fantastic. <laughs> um Ooh, I think did I write this down as a direct quote? I'm going to look it up. Um yeah, so we'll probably, you know, eventually do a Bible dig deep dive on Deuteronomy, but I mean there is like a lot in Deuteronomy about mm-hmm. economics. Um, so I'm just going to maybe bring up a few things here. Also, one thing that I've always found very ironic is so many mission, quote unquote, missionaries go and try and serve the poor and specifically the poor in the United States. Oh, yeah. They're I mean, like, they we're going to. It, convert- I, it keeps yes. them from being independent. Like, yeah. I mean, if you're the one who's doing the work instead of locals leading the work, you know, it's just. Like, yeah, and like a good portion, like I don't remember the exact number, but a good portion of the unhoused population is already Christian. Like, who are you trying to convert true. with this? Like, you're not yeah. help. You're not, and you're not providing also, any practical even, solutions. Even secular organizations like um, Tom's turns out that Tom's is like has ruined the shoe industry in some countries what? because really? well, yeah, because they because these aren't being locally made. These shoes are just being given to them, and therefore uh, the people who uh, actually uh, make shoes in these countries and sell them like it, the need is you know it brings the demand down oh my gosh you know, it wasn't it wasn't actually really a problem they had they had a shoe industry like I just <sighs> I never I that's so interesting I never even thought about that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it's also like that notion too of like there are so many actual causes that need help that need our Mm -hmm. help like the fact that we live in like what is it one of the richest countries in the world Mm -hmm. and there are still people who are homeless there's still kids going hungry like yeah we have enough problems in our own country (laughs) yeah and yeah like and don't get me wrong like when the people that are actually going to other countries and helping and doing the work Mm -hmm. like i think particularly i think some you know there are such a thing as just like medical missions that do not involve pro- proselytization and yeah, like doctors like, just without borders. people yeah. yeah like i think that there are or like teaching in teaching in other countries like teaching mm-hmm. english or whatever in other countries peace too. Corps, yeah yeah peace I mean, Corps, like those peace Corps has some issues but yeah right but it's not like official like missionary like mm-hmm. i'm going with world vision sort of like it's like i think mm-hmm. that there is good to be done in other countries and if you have those if you have those talents to share with people, like by all means do them, but it's always done as like a, it's like putting a bandaid, like, look, we fixed it. We fixed it. And it's like, no, you didn't Mm -hmm. like maybe like from the outside you fixed it, but there's like a deeper issue here. Mm -hmm. Or maybe again with the Tom's thing, like you've just made a situation when there wasn't one to begin with. Yeah. There you go. Um, and so the, the verse that I was going to read, so Deuteronomy 24, 17 through 22, do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice or take the cloak of the widow. Oh, wait, actually, sorry. I'm reading the new international version. I'm going to switch to the NRSV. Sure. Um, you shall not deprive a resident foreigner or an orphan of justice. You shall not take a widow's garment and pledge. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheep in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be left for the foreigner, foreigner, the orphan, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all your undertakings. When you beat your olive trees, do not strip what is left. It shall be for the foreigner, the orphan, and the widow. Um, And the same thing with grapes. Yeah, like, wait a sec. That sounds like welfare. (laughs) Hold on. That's a socialist concept. 
I mean, Jesus was a socialist, like, for real. It's um, so funny when I say, like, oh, Jesus is my favorite socialist or whatever, and people get ridiculously offended. I'm like, excuse me, did we not all hear the same story of him knocking over the money changers' tables in the temple? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a pretty anti-capitalist action right there. Yeah, I know there's and, a like, deeper meaning to it, too, but, yeah. Man, the Roman economy, like, I mean... Like, Jesus was in extreme poverty. All his followers were, you know, like, honestly, it was the help of some wealthy women that, like, kept them, kept food on the table for them. You yeah. Know, hospitality of people. Um, it was, it was people following, you know, these kinds of, like, you know, principles of the, of the Hebrew Bible to, to, you know, offer hospitality and to care for your neighbor. Absolutely. And then again, there are people that have that money that do good. Like, again, like you were mentioning, mm-hmm. like the fact that the church even survived was because of a bunch of wealthy widows. Um, mm-hmm. And they're the ones that kept the church going when it was first starting out. Oh, yeah. Um, also, another very socialist thing in the book of Acts, they like share all their possessions. They they give like money to whoever has need, you know, mm-hmm. like... And also, I mean, in Paul's letters, he's always like, y'all who have, y'all who have the means, you need to be generous to these other churches that are struggling. Absolutely. Um, A lot of like, you know, part of the, (laughs) Paul in his letters is either like, hey, y'all need to stop fighting about this. Or, hey, y'all need to help these people. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And again, we got our issues with Paul, but Mm -hmm. like, yeah. I mean, he was a human. So he has good yeah, of course. and bad things to say. Yeah, yeah. So specifically in, um, I think, Corinthians is where, you know, this Christian community there is rich and poor and they don't live in community well. I think there is something about, oh, yeah, there was like a culture of sometimes some people like kind of hoarding some of the communion elements and eating a lot of it because greed, I guess. Huh. Um, um, oh yeah, the book of James. When I had to read the book of James for this class, I was like, wow, there is a lot of cool stuff in here. I mean, about like justice for the poor and like God being generous, um, justice against the rich. Yeah. Um, yeah, that whole thing was like cool to see. And, you know, Luther almost took that out of the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I guess if we want, we can get into a little bit. We can also go back to talking about scripture later, but we're going to get into prosperity gospel. I mm-hmm. It's kind of apt, I guess, that today I just started, I haven't finished watching it, but I just started watching The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh, um, wait, the movie? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Very excited to see it. But um, yeah, I mean, like just the televangelist culture, I think is really what really kickstarted it into being because these televangelists had to like, raise money a bunch of money for well they said it's for their ministry but of course there's multiple multiple like that money's going you know, to other places too yeah yeah like creflo dollars planes oh and- yeah he has like planes and he's like and like kenneth copeland has a plane too and he's like this is mm-hmm. the best way i can spread the gospel it's with my own private plane like and you know honestly um, even even if they're not i don't know if hillsong explicitly preaches a prosperity god well yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think they preach a prosperity gospel, but of course, if you watch the documentary on Discovery Plus, and if you haven't, you can just get a free trial for a week and then cancel mm-hmm. it. Um, you can watch the uh, the Hillsong a Mega Church Exposed documentary, and it talks about you know his endless quest for growth, like Brian Houston, the person who uh, started Hillsong, and it talks about you know, like the kind of celebrity pastor culture with like. Carl Lentz, you know, wearing, oh my God, preachers and sneakers. Everyone needs to look up the Instagram account, preachers and sneakers. It points what? out, it points out designer clothing items that preachers are wearing, like, and how expensive no. they are. The price. Yes. Oh my God. That's it's in- amazing. That's, uh, that sounds amazing. That sounds like it would just really piss me off though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just like, they're wearing these like thousand, two thousand dollar jackets to like their, you know, church. And, like, yeah. Um, which reminds me of like what Paul was complaining about um, when the actual like the actual verse where t- Paul talks about women dressing modestly, it means like economically modestly. You yeah, know, they exactly. shouldn't be like they shouldn't be coming in wearing like these 
goals all over themselves because that's making the poor people in the congregation feel bad. Like, so yeah, absolutely. So it's so fun. Yeah, because. I feel like we discussed this in our women episode mm-hmm. as well yeah. because like, again, the people use it to be like, yeah, ladies don't wear a two piece to the pool party, but it's like, mm-hmm. no, it's like making sure that it's kind of seeing us on all like an equal standing mm-hmm. financially. Um, and then I'm also looking up famous prosperity gospel people and like Oral Roberts comes up definitely mm-hmm. Um, Paula White. <laughs> yeah, he he's the one that ran the mail campaign of the seed faith, hmm. where it's like, oh, like you plant this seed and then a tree will grow, and that's a metaphor. Um, oh, and you'll have Paula, like an abundant Paula White life. also uses the seed thing, and actually, I think pretty much at this point, most I guess a lot of televangelists have taken on that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I I read in the spring. I read um, what is not Abel's Weber's first book. Um, uh, a lot of people don't know that her first book isn't Pastrix. It's called Salvation on the Small Screen, where she, a publisher, pitched for that she needed she would watch Trinity Broadcast Network for 24 hours straight and Ooh. write a book about it. Oh, that sounds like my nightmare. <laughs> I mean, like that sounds like a really fascinating book, but watching that channel for 24 hours sounds like my she, nightmare. Yeah, so she had only. She dipped out for a half hour to shower and that's it. And she had her parents like write the kind of like snippet for whatever half hour that was. Oh my God. <laughs> that's nuts. Also, that sounds like a really good live, like live stream idea. <laughs> but no, I don't want to do it. But I'm like, now I'm fascinated. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting. She did talk about the financial thing and particularly, I guess there is this interesting angle that like, you know, in church and an offering is asked for, you know, not, not like demanded, but asked yeah. for. And the, so since this was their ministry and their kind of, vir- you know, virtual church thing, they, they ask for an offering. But of course, for the most part with like churches that are actually good, the money is going to a good place and they tell you where it's going. Whereas Yeah, usually like when the church is pretty transparent, like on where their money is going specifically, then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like I can, I get it. Like you have to pay rent, you got to pay electricity, like Mm-hmm. I get that, like a hundred percent. But then, mm-hmm. like, you see all of, again, you see it directly benefiting the people in power, or like again mm-hmm. having like a ten thousand dollar light rig in a sanctuary. It's like, mm-hmm. do we need that? Also, yeah. uh, Oral Roberts. Okay, I found one thing that he did. So, mm-hmm. uh, in January nineteen eighty seven, during a fundraising drive, Roberts announced to a television audience that unless he raised eight million dollars by that March, God would call him home. However, the mm-hmm. year before on Easter, he had told a gathering <laughs> at a Dallas convention center that God had instructed him to raise the money by the end of the year, or he would die. So, you know, no, um, no manipulation happening there. Um, and then even in his obituary, like. Uh, claimed that even when times became economically hard, he continued to wear his Italian silk suits, diamond rings, and gold bracelets airbrushed out by his staff on publicity Jesus pictures. Christ. <laughs> he, I know, Jesus Christ would be real mad about that. Right? <laughs> and then, of course, it's you have just... people like Joel Osteen and, like, uh, freaking Joel Osteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it's like, the you know, not only are they just like, taking advantage of all this wealth but of course the theology they peddle is just like not good either like Mm -hmm. just yeah it's also very interesting too because then it kind of becomes like this all kind of ties in later to things like motivational speaking and like Mm because they definitely use like prosperity gospel tactics or like Mm -hmm. multi-level marketing schemes like yeah uh one channel that I'm going to recommend here and then we can link in the show notes is there's a channel called Savvy Writes Books and Mm -hmm. um, they basically take down MLM schemes, talks Mm -hmm. a lot about Rachel Hollis um, and talks about like business gurus or inspirational gurus Mm -hmm. and has come up with the saying because like a lot of one of the things these people say is like is life happening to you or is life happening for you and then one thing that Savvy will say is oh yeah well what if life is happening through me and so that's like become their motto is like life doesn't happen mm-hmm. to you or for you it happens through you um mm-hmm. and so yeah um yeah I think another thing about Paul I mean something that I do actually like about him is his like I mean he did have a more community-centric you know mindset that like mm-hmm. you know particularly with communion it's like there's the importance of eating it together so that everyone like has an equal share yeah and 
like, um, and that, you know, for Paul, generosity was not just about finances, but being gracious and um, hospitable. And mm-hmm. I just wish that, like, I mean, evangelicals are obsessed with Paul, just don't seem to really see that vision, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Also, I don't know if you've ever seen this photo of the inside of Joel Osteen's church, but it is it's ri- probably... it, or it's ridiculously big. Are you going to put that in the meme compilation? I might. <laughs> like, Jesus fucking, oh my god. <laughs> Isn't that? That's, that's a stadium. Like, yeah, also, the... <laughs> also, do you remember when there was flooding in Texas? Yeah, and, and he refused to let people, oh my god. He, not even that he refused, he lied about it. He was like, yeah, like the church got flooded. I can't let you in. And then someone drove by and it was the one area that was in completely dry. Like nothing had hit it. Mm-hmm. Oh, also something in my notes um, on uh, revelation, interpreting it through the lens of like uh, economic kind of things. Uh, I wrote down the lukewarm people are the rich. Like as in when Jesus mm-hmm. was like, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Oh, 100%. Uh, I forget the exa- Yeah. Yeah, um, the lukewarm people aren't, you know, the LGBTQ community because I've definitely mm-hmm. been called lukewarm on social mm-hmm. media. It's it's the rich people that say who that aren't doing anything to help people, like exactly, and like rich pastors, like mega church prosperity mm-hmm. gospel pastors. Also, kind of slightly going back to the um, TBN thing, mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if any of y'all, I'm sure if you grew up evangelical, you watched some level of. TBN or the church channel in your life, mm-hmm. there's always a phone number in every single TV show, in every single movie, and every single like there's right, always yes. a phone number to call to mm-hmm. to apparently to get you. saved, but also it's oh, more to yes. no, but but like it's like call this number at any time. It's probably much more for donation because I don't think any like well, person yeah, needing saving so, is watching it's TBN. It's like a prayer line too. So yeah, so um uh Nadia tried calling that line and she like tried to kind of like actually talk to the person get to know them but then they just were like do, do you need prayer what why like otherwise i just have to hang up i'm supposed to just be here to like pray for you yeah so yeah and i'm looking at uh the regularly scheduled programming on tbn and my gosh it is awful because you have joel osteen you have greg Laurie, you have hour of power creflo dollar um joyce meyer 700 club which is mm-hmm. awful also, yeah. um, as someone whose grandpa watches TBN religiously, mm-hmm. every single time I've gone over lately, uh, the My Pillow guy is on there, and mm. I'm like, "You, what? Like, mm. I get why. Like, you speak to a very specific demographic of people, but like, why is the My Pillow guy on the Church Channel? Like, it doesn't right. make sense to me." Um, another interesting thing was that was brought up. So that book that Nadia wrote, I think it came out in 2007, and she talked about how like i think we as progressive christians need to ask why these channels are so popular probably particularly among like older people you know because they might not be able to necessarily leave the house to go to church this might be their church so that's you know as i read it i was very grateful that you know kind of in a way like covid helped probably older people have more access to church again absolutely and like that was kind of one of the blessed like if not to go again not to go toxic positive on it because it did suck Mm -hmm. but like people that couldn't find affirming churches in their area could now Mm -hmm. find them online because they were all streaming and Mm -hmm. i think for the most part a lot of churches that believed covid was real are still streaming in some capacity Mm -hmm. uh if not like recording it and putting it oh i think that definitely people shouldn't if they have the capacity to keep streaming they should never stop yeah absolutely (laughs) um yeah because i mean you know a lot of yeah a lot of people older people if they're if they're alone like these could become their these televangels could become their friends and give them a sense of hope and so we as the church need to make sure that we're taking care of the people who feel alone in our community absolutely and making sure that we're keeping the people on top accountable too like there's not enough outrage i believe like there is i think Mm. more from the secular community Mm -hmm. um because how could there not be but like i think the other church communities need to hold these people accountable um and definitely one thing i'd recommend especially if you're kind of new if you haven't heard of prosperity 
gospel or prosperity doctrine before. Um, John Oliver did a piece years and years ago on that specifically. And one of the things that he does at the end of the episode is he proves how easy it is to start a church to get tax exemption and ends up starting like a church Right. called Our Lady of Perpetual Exemption. And I think like they ended up like donating all the money they received like to charity. But it was just mm-hmm. like, that's how easy it is to become tax exempt. And like mm-hmm. what we are asking for is for these massive churches to be audited. And like, mm-hmm. he also did an experiment right. where it was like the thing of like, you send because a dollar and we'll send you a dollar. Yeah. Helping people. Like, it's just. It's just lining the pockets of the, yeah. again, lining the pockets of the people in charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something I wanted to bring up um, is that in the Bible, a lot of the time, the words righteousness and justice are the same word. Hmm. Like it's in the yeah. So I just looked this up. So um, the concept of at least in the New Testament, the concept of dikaiosune. I'll maybe put it in the show notes. Uh, is captured by two English words yet. Um, oh, well, it's, that's interesting. So righteousness and justice, yet is almost always translated as, as one of the two, righteousness. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely they're like interconnected, you know, about like yeah. the like integrity that, um, you know, connected to our treatment of other people and being in a right relationship. Right. Um, I never want to say that the Bible is clear because it never is, but I feel like the amount of times the art the Bible is, is consistent. Saying, the art, <laughs> Yes, the arc is consistent. Um, yeah, like I, yeah. The there are so anyone... there are certainly like you can think of the verses that people try to cherry pick to say like I think something like something Paul said I think was like you know a man needs to earn his food or something like that, and also like some things in Proverbs are like <gasps> the poor have be, no, which you know, po- the, yeah. The other justification I've heard before. Um, Abby Johnson, she was the, um, what was it? The pro-life lady. They had that abortion movie about her. Um, oh. Oh, Unplanned. It was like some movie mm, about how she yes. abortion. And it turned out like it's most, like, allegedly it's a hoax. Uh, but one thing she tweeted out to justify not giving to the poor was when Jesus says that there will always be poor among you. Uh, and she's like, don't right. give to so the poor I remember, there will always be poor so among you. My professor she talked about that verse being like, you know, when Jesus says that, it's also kind of a call that like, you know, you always have the poor among you, so you will always have to care for them. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a, it's not, there's always the poor among you. That's it. End of sentence. Like, because like then the rest of the Bible is like, help them, feed them, clothe Mm -hmm. them. Like it's that like the Mm -hmm. fact, uh, yeah. That's ridiculous. That they, yeah, like, but there's, I think there are, are things in Proverbs that show poor people in a negative light. I mean, but there are, there are a lot of contradictions in Proverbs, you know, there's things mm-hmm. that literally like mean the exact opposite of each other. I know. I know. swear there's a part in Proverbs where like, there's a verse that says, do this thing. And then the exact, exact next verse next says, verse, yeah. don't do this thing. And it's like, well, <laughs> and then yeah. I'll put it this way too, is the amount of times that the poor um, are not talked about in the best light in the Bible is probably amount of this probably about the amount of times that homosexuality is actually right. talked about in the Bible, which is like none um, or like very little. And again, probably yeah. lost in translation, but people still like, but they focus, they focus on that little bit, but they won't focus mm-hmm. on the rest of the Bible that is saying, this is how you properly care for your neighbors. Mm-hmm. I think in the show notes, I'm going to actually compile like a lot of the verses to show folks that like, here, here it is. Uh, Eat the rich. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like I feel like as I have grown more in my faith, I've become substantially more socialist. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh yeah. I I feel like it can't not be, you know, Mm -hmm. especially like, like a, like I literally just like, I want people to thrive. exactly yeah exactly and like I can it's weird to say I can find sympathy especially for people whose ancestors might have escaped social like a socialist dictatorship right yes like like I know that it doesn't work under that kind of 
like practice where because I mean ultimately even under a social system people can still vie for power yeah and you know influence yeah and I know that like especially in Florida a lot of the Cuban American voting population tends to vote more Republican Mm -hmm. because so many uh, like even people that are still alive but so many of their Mm -hmm. grandparents or parents had to flee communist Cuba Mm -hmm. and that's why like that's why a lot of times they'll vote conservative because they want to get as far away from any sort of socialist thing as possible Mm -hmm. um and I'm also someone like Armenia was under the USSR um Mm -hmm. Lithuania was also under the USSR like my great grandmother Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. came to this country specifically to escape communism but again it's depending on the person running it and it's depending on like it's yeah again like people will always have is in loving our neighbor yeah it could work yeah like people will always have selfish intentions like they Mm -hmm. all like we're just that's kind of how people are we we do have selfish intentions Mm -hmm. even if we do our best to not have those intentions Mm -hmm. but again i'm not saying that like oh like the government needs to run everything but you know it'd be nice if universal health care was a thing in this mm-hmm. country that we happen to be like this is the best country ever it's like yeah, and it would well, be nice if workers were not exploited a hundred percent um one of, the, one of the starbucks uh close to me has unionized so i like really nice. want to go and support them which is I'm like yes mm-hmm. and then like because you look at like the uk and you look at the eu and like mm-hmm. the nordic model of socialism and like it works like it really works mm-hmm. i don't want to i don't want to have to refuse an ambulance one day like god forbid Mm -hmm. because it's too expensive you know right also yeah fuck the whole just like the insurance system Mm -hmm. like it just like it just they're just making a bunch of money from people who just need health care like i just it's not ethical yeah like i've like the last couple like a few months ago I'll cut this out of the episode because I'm technically not supposed to talk about it. Um, I got Mm -hmm. second degree burns from a Starbucks drink. Oh, wow. It spilled on my side. Um, And I'm in a lawsuit, which is why I'm not supposed to talk about it. But but I guess to get back into the episode recording, I've had to go to the ER and I had to drive to different urgent cares because I wasn't sure what took my insurance Mm because I was so nervous that like I'd go get care somewhere and then I'd come back with a bill saying like sorry we don't take your insurance but you needed that emergency care like mm-hmm. i shouldn't have to especially like if someone is in pain or if someone it is like a dire situation mm-hmm. the last thing a person should be worrying about is what the bill is going to be like mm-hmm. they should be worried about their life and getting that proper care yeah i mean jesus didn't did, didn't charge anything right no he didn't he did not charge <laughs> Some people would argue and be like, he told them to go sin no more. And that was the charge. And it's like, it wasn't, though. Also, Jesus. And never... also saying go and sin no more, as we know from Damon Garcia's book, um, didn't necessarily, like, it was actually taking the shame of society off of them and not, yeah. like, anything they had done. So. Exactly. Yeah. Again, <sighs> uh, this especially, and I think... I think especially, again, over the last couple of years, I think people are becoming more awake to the fact that, like, just how unequal um, the yeah, I mean, U.S. economy is. In Seattle, is. it's going to be very clear to me, again, like, with the, with the homeless population, it's kind of, it's just, it's a lot. I mean, yeah. there something needs to be done. Yeah, and in L.A. too, and it's unfortunate because you do have a lot of people that want to do good like they have mm-hmm. housing for the homeless and they've started doing um the tiny houses which mm-hmm. i've heard mixed things about because it's like you're literally just giving a person a room like the bathrooms are communal like but for someone that is living on the street that might be all they have but i, also I mean and it can give like, them agency i mean you know it's it can be like a stepping stone to because like yeah at least if you have a more permanent address you can have a job you can yeah yeah exactly it's that whole like um what's the thing like get like teach a man to fish or whatever like some people like you can't yeah we need housing first yeah like you can't go get a job if you don't have an address for them to send a paycheck to Mm -hmm. like you can't but then also you can't get a house if you don't have a job like it's Mm -hmm. it's a really 
it's a just a bullshit system mm-hmm. truly but you know my hope is that we'll you know, our generation is going to rise up to organize for affordable housing and higher wages and all those good things. Absolutely. Like, again, as someone who is a millennial, like kind of almost Gen Z, but a millennial and you're a Gen Z, like mm-hmm. the Gen Z is like a no chill generation. Like, yeah, like they're so much more politically aware. And again, I'm saying this as someone born in 1994, so much more politically aware than I was like especially mm-hmm. younger kids are so much more politically aware mm-hmm. and so much have so much stronger beliefs in terms mm-hmm. of things they're not like welfare. Any and, yeah, they're not going to say bullshit, honestly. And that's like that makes me like I'm really like obviously like everyone can stand to do the work, but I'm really proud of like the younger the younger people. Like even my high school students are so so mm-hmm. much more aware than I was, and it, at that age, and it's just like oh, like you guys are gonna like change the world Mm -hmm. and and be like really pissed off in the process like I'm that's Mm -hmm. awesome um and of course there are always ways to help um there are plenty like I'd say definitely look up like local shelters in your area look Uh, up look up Yimby Action which means yes in my backyard Uh, um so that's helping yeah for affordable housing and Mm -hmm. I can probably put a bunch of resources because I during my service year did like organizing around affordable housing that's amazing yeah I'll find some as well and also um especially because we're recording this in July and it is um boiling outside um one easy thing you can do buy some cold water give it to the unhoused Mm -hmm. people in your area Mm -hmm. because it's hot and and make sure your community place, to go. place where I mean try to get your community to have a place for people to go a cooling center that kind of thing yeah absolutely and again it's like it costs it would co- it costs barely nothing to be able to like buy someone a meal or buy them a bottle of water mm-hmm. or like go to 7-eleven get someone some snacks because it really does help you know mm-hmm. and it's there are always ways to help and there are always like again there may always be the poor among us, but it means that we always have to take care of them as well. It's not mm-hmm. a, it's not a, an excuse to just be like, oh, well, like, let's not do anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's always, there are always ways to help. Uh, so you want to go into high of the week? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, this is an awkward situation where we're recording this a few days after we recorded our July interview, but I mean, it actually, it's still July, but you know, I can maybe talk about something that's probably going to happen in August. I'm Do hoping it. to get a job. I'm hoping to get a job at Trader Joe's. If that doesn't <sighs> work out, I'll look into work study, but I should be employed by the time this episode comes out. That's so. amazing. <laughs> also, Trader Joe's is a really good place to work too, from what mm-hmm. I've heard. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, fingers crossed. I hope you get the job. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. My high of the week. It's so funny. My high of the week is I got my car. Um, but I feel Which like I like mentioned the same that thing. Yes, you mentioned that the last, <laughs> last one. So maybe if you episode. know something happening in August, if you know something. I will say, um, I guess like my small high of this week, today I got to sing with my choir because we were oh, yeah, recording for World Singing World Singing mm-hmm. Day. Um, and I don't know when that video is coming out, but they were like, hey, whoever wants to come up, come and sing this, um, do mm-hmm. it. And so like I got to go sing and it had been like a month and a half since I last sang with them. And so it was just really nice to be able to go and sing and see my friends from choir after not having seen them mm-hmm. for a while. And it makes me excited for the fall season to happen too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's small, but it was very fun. Cause I feel like the big thing, again, I mentioned in the last episode, which uh, the last episode, it was like, I should be getting a car. I don't know when it's coming. It could be any day now. Uh, as of <laughs> yesterday, when we're recording this episode, I now have a new car. Um, it's the nicest thing I've ever owned. I'm terrified to drive it, but also driving is my life at this point. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited. And I'm very, again, very grateful that I was able to get one before my trash can car conked out. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll give the plug again that I've started a, a Substack newsletter blog thing. Yes. Um, Aprilthewriter.substack.com. Um my yeah at that point a few posts will be up because i'm going to be posting every sunday afternoon or at least trying to post yes sunday so yes yeah go give that a follow and then i'll give the mini i'll do the mini version of this plug because i've done it the last couple episodes uh q worship weekend if you are located in southern california uh be sure to go um it's gonna be a lot of fun 
Um, if you're not located in Southern California and you have the means to travel out here, or if you're like coming to LA for a vacation and want to- And when is that again? That is going to be the last weekend of August. So it's okay. August 26th through 28th. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's still definitely room. And our keynote speaker is Kevin Garcia. So definitely- Oh my God. Incredible. Be there. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely we be there. Us out, but I mean, like, if we can get him as a guest ever, I mean, that's going to be your chance, right? You're you're going to be like one of the speakers too. So yeah. Yeah. That would be- I mean, I have their number technically. <laughs> because i've been on a couple of calls i've had to go on a couple of calls with them and jess and like kelly and just chat and i'm like this is this is weird it's great it's so weird to me though (laughs) because also Uh, you're wearing their shirt right now too oh yeah (laughs) yeah of course i'm wearing it tonight because i'm going to be with progressive christians so i'll be like yeah i'll be like oh my god you're a kevin garcia fan too and you'll be like yeah anyways Uh, is that the end of it? I think that's the end of it. I think so. Um, stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be releasing our oh yes, our interview with yes, Damon with- Garcia. Um, so yeah, that's gonna be awesome. And thank you for listening. Stay cool. Uh, always find ways to help. And into the plug. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Reclaiming the Garden. You can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Reclaiming the Garden or on Twitter at RT Garden Podcast. Be sure to check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, and you can always check out our merch store to get t-shirts, mugs, and other fun merchandise. If you are able to, please be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as it does boost us in the algorithm, but we are grateful that you are here and listening, so if that's all you can do, We appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you soon.